You are listening to sermon audio from College Creek Church in Annapolis, Maryland. For more information on this local body of believers, visit us online at collegecreekchurch.org or in person every Sunday at 11 a.m. Last month, Amazon released a docu-series called Shiny Happy People, which is really just the latest in a, a series of documentaries highlighting the hypocrisy and scandal in American Christianity, and specifically the ways that church leaders have taken advantage of and hurt those who are in their care. This was the second documentary to focus on Bill Gothard. The first was called The Cult Next Door. Um, Earlier this year, Hulu released a documentary called God Forbid, which tells the sordid story of former Liberty University Chancellor Jerry Falwell Jr. Still earlier this year, there was The Secrets of Hillsong, which investigated the downfall of the famous New York City pastor Carl Lentz. And if you keep up with such things, you may remember Christianity Today's 2021 podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, the 19-episode saga revealing the inner workings of one of America's largest church empires and the abuse that emanated from the top all the way down. And, and, And perhaps you're not surprised by the horrifying realities of the lives of Mark Driscoll or Jerry Falwell Jr. or Carl Lentz, but perhaps you are shook by the ever-growing list of pastoral scandals. Pastor Matt Chandler, Pastor Bill Hybels, Pastor Brian Houston, Pastor C.J. Mahaney, Pastor Joshua Harris, Pastor Tulian Chavijan, the apologist Ravi Zacharias, and Most recently, to my knowledge, Pastor Scott Sauls. And that's just a list of names that I came up with when I just thought back over the last few years. But we all know that if we were to to really look and go back through time, the list would continue, the list would grow. And that's just an illustration of the publicized failings of well-known pastors. It says nothing about the unknown travesties carried out by unknown pastors all over the place. Right, So it's no wonder that when the Southern Baptist Convention investigated their own ranks, they discovered over 700 sexual abusers in the last 10 years. And certainly, there are many more ways that a person might be abused. And so it is no wonder to me that so many people are struggling with church hurt. It's no wonder to me that so many people have a deep distrust for those in church leadership. And while it's sad, it's not surprising that so many people have left the church because of the ways they've been treated. Maybe you're someone who's experienced church hurt. Perhaps you've been let down by those in in church leadership. And if, if so... I think that this passage that we're going to look at today from Ezekiel might be some help. It isn't going to give you a five-step process to get over it. Um, If that's something you feel like you need, I would encourage you to to find um, some counseling. We'd love to help you find that. Um, Make sure you're in a safe place. 
and we'd love to help you find some counseling. You're welcome to come and, and talk with me if that would be if that would be helpful. Be humbled to walk with you through um, that process of healing. But what our passage this morning is going to do is twofold. It's going to validate your feelings, and it's going to give you hope for the future. What we find in this prophecy is that God is just as, if not more, disappointed and angry about the way that you've been treated. And that he has a hope-filled promise for your today and for your tomorrow. And so turn with me, if you would, to Ezekiel 34, and we'll read this prophecy together. We're going to read the whole chapter, which is rather long, so you might be helped to follow along um, in your own Bible. We will have it up here on the screen, and if you picked up one of these Bibles on your way in, you'll find it on page 804. Um, and as always, we want to encourage you, please take those Bibles. If you don't have a Bible of your own, they're there for you. We want you to have a copy of God's Word. All right, this is Ezekiel chapter 34. It says, The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered. Because there was no shepherd, they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed the sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will rescue them from all the places where they've been scattered on the day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land. And on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. And I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. But as for you, my flock, 
Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture? And to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you've trodden with your feet and drink what you've muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you've scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock that they shall no longer be a prey and I will judge between sheep and sheep and I will set up over them one shepherd my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David shall be prince among them. And I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. And I will send down the showers in their season. They shall be showers of blessings. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And the earth shall yield its increase. And they shall be secure in their land. And they shall know that I am the Lord. When I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who have enslaved them, they shall no more be a prey to the nations, nor shall the beast of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned plantations so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer with the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep, human sheep of my pasture. And I am your God declares the Lord God. If you are wrestling today with, with church hurt, if you've been hurt by church leadership or you, or, you, or you feel you've been let down or disappointed by pastors, then know this, God sees your pain and he's not dismissive of it. Rather, he is speaking out against it and he will hold those responsible to account for it. That's what was happening in Ezekiel's time as well. The spiritual leaders of Israel were taking advantage of their position and their power. They were serving themselves and hurting the people and God saw it and he didn't dismiss it. Rather, he prophesies against it. He says, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy. All, all throughout Israel's history, the shepherd has been an illustration of, of the leaders, right? Perhaps because Abraham and his descendants were all shepherds and perhaps because their first true king of Israel, King David, was a shepherd. But whatever the reason, God has identified in Scripture that shepherds are the leaders. But here, God says, prophesy against them, against the shepherds. And everyone would have understood. He means the leaders, specifically the spiritual leaders of Israel. Yes, the kings, but also the priests. Perhaps even the other prophets are in view here. 
And, and this, for clarity, it continues to be the illustrative word for spiritual leaders of God's people all the way to, to today. In the New Testament, it's pastors who are referred to as shepherds. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 5. In verse 2, Peter exhorts pastors to shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And and actually, right, that's a good example of what shepherds are supposed to do. That's what the leaders of Ezekiel's day were supposed to do and what they certainly were not doing. Peter tells them to not be after shameful gain, to not be domineering, to be an example. Well, the shepherds of Ezekiel's day were feeding themselves instead of the sheep. They were using the sheep for shameful and selfish gain. They were being abusive. They were being harsh. They weren't seeking to serve or to love the flock. And and they set an example but it was an example of harm, not help. So much so that later on in the passage, we find out that some of the sheep, the powerful sheep are following their example and are further hurting the weak among them. Now, obviously, this passage would be preached very differently if we were at a pastor's conference right now. Right? If, if we were at a pastor's conference, I would be preaching this, issuing a challenge to all in attendance to keep watch over their own souls, to run from selfishness and the temptation to be domineering. We would talk about how it's the task of all pastors, not only to feed the sheep, but to strengthen them when they're weak, to heal them when they're sick, to bind them up when they are wounded, to seek after those who are straying away. Perhaps we'd talk about the, the, the danger of our actions, especially the danger of our harshness and how it can cause sheep to be scattered, to run instead of being brought near unto Christ. But this is not a pastor's conference, which doesn't mean we don't need to hear those things. Um, We do. We can see in that perhaps how all of us, no matter our position, might be used to gather in and to care for one another. And, And it's important that you hear that so that you know what to expect of me what to expect of other pastors here. But but I think for us, what's most important to see today is the loving kindness of God. Here's the thing. I have and I will fail you. And if you place your, your hope and your trust mostly in me, then you will find your faith devastated. No matter your pastor, they will fail you, but God never will. So if I could just ask this of you, please, don't base your belief in Jesus on my faithfulness. Don't base it on your favorite podcast preacher, because we have seen time and time again that we will fail you, but we have seen time and time again that Jesus never will. So base your faith and your trust and your hope on the perfect, eternal faithfulness of God. And and know this, know this, when you are failed by leaders in the church, God is just as disappointed, just as angry as you are. 
but he has a hope-filled promise for you. And it's based entirely on himself. So in a world that is full of bad shepherds, follow the good one. God says he's going to punish the bad shepherds of Israel. In verse 15, he says, I myself now will be the shepherd of my sheep. Later on in in verse 23, he says, I'm going to set over them one shepherd, my, my servant David, the great king, right? King David. Well, David died a long time ago. What do you mean I'm going to set David over them? Well, he's talking about the descendant of David, specifically Jesus. He says, I'm going to set my servant Jesus, David, over them. That's why Jesus is able to say in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. That good shepherd that was prophesied here in Ezekiel is Jesus himself, right? Or as, as David puts it so eloquently in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, right? In a world full of bad shepherds, follow the good one, follow Jesus. And let's just take a look at the promises that that good shepherd makes us. And I say promises because 26 times in this passage, God says, I will do something. Not I hope to do something, not I might do something, not if the situation is right, then I'll consider doing something. I will do it. They're not ideas or hopes, they're promises, and he will bring them about Jesus. The good shepherd will seek his sheep and save his sheep. He will supply for his sheep. He will shelter his sheep. He will separate out his sheep, and he will secure his sheep forever. And these promises are why in a world full of bad shepherds, we ought to follow the good one. Because Jesus, the good shepherd, will seek after his sheep. He says they've been scattered all over the face of the earth. They were scattered. They were food for the beast. And then in verse 11, we're told this, for thus says the Lord God, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep. I will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out his flock when it's been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep. Again, in verse 16, he says he's going to seek out the lost. Of course, Jesus tells us that story where the shepherd recognizes that one of his sheep is gone. So he leaves the 99 in the open field and he goes and he searches and listen to this. He searches until he finds it. The love of God is persistent and patient. It is a love that is ever seeking to draw his people to himself. That's actually what Jesus says he came to do. In Luke 19, it says, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. He doesn't say that he came to seek so that he could punish us for running away. He comes to seek us so he can save us, so he can lay us on his shoulders and bring us back to a place of protection and provision. Jesus came to save us from the wild beast that are out to devour us. To quote Jesus again, John 10.10, when talking about being a good shepherd, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The enemy of our souls is on the prowl, but Jesus came to give us life in abundance. 
Jesus, the good shepherd, seeks his sheep and he saves his sheep. He says in verse 10 that he's gonna rescue his sheep from their mouths. In verse 12, I will rescue them from all the places that they've been scattered on the day of dark of darkness. And in verse 22, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. The, the, the truth of the matter is that whether we like to think about it or not, we all need salvation. We all need rescue, right? Ultimately, we need to be saved from ourselves and from our own sin, right? We may have been hurt and wronged in so many ways, but our own selfishness has placed us in a hopeless situation. Hopeless until we find hope in Jesus. The Bible says that we are dead, in our trespasses and sins. We can do nothing to help ourselves. And even if we could, we wouldn't. We need help from outside of ourselves. And that's what Jesus does. He seeks us out and offers to us salvation. He says, I came to seek and to save the lost. In fact, he loved us so much that he was willing even to die so he could save us. And it's in his death that we find forgiveness of our sins. And it's in his resurrection that we find life forever. Salvation has come to all who would repent and believe in Jesus. And so if you don't know Jesus today, if you're, if you're weighed down by your sin and your guilt, hear me, salvation is available to you if you will turn to Jesus. Stop following the oppressive and demeaning and demanding shepherds of this world and follow the one who loves you, the one who laid down his life for you. In a world full of bad shepherds, follow the good one, the one who came to seek and to save the lost. But there's more than that. Jesus, the good shepherd, will supply for his sheep. That's the beauty of this passage. Jesus isn't pretending to just be another shepherd, but the only good one. He's the one that will feed us. Look at verse 14. I will feed them with good pasture. On the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture and shall feed on the mountains of Israel. Not just supplying food, but but rest. And rest while eating that food. Praise the Lord, isn't that wonderful? Laying on the bed with your food in front of you. Isn't that great? Rest while you're eating. According to verse 16, not only that, he's gonna bind up our wounds. He's gonna strengthen us when we're weak. The New Testament puts it this way, Philippians 4, 19. He says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And with all of our needs met, he then provides shelter for us. Repeatedly, he says, we will no longer be prey. Finally, he says, I'm just gonna banish the wild beasts from the land entirely. This, this idea of God being our shelter, our refuge, it's all over the place in scripture. Truly, there's no safer place to be than under the protection of the Lord. As Psalm 91 says, to find rest in the shelter of his wings. In, in a world full of bad shepherds, follow the good one. 
the one who will seek you out and save you and supply your every need and shelter you in his love. But then we're told that Jesus is going to separate his sheep. His work of supplying and sheltering requires the work of separating out those who would seek to do us harm. So look at verses 17 to 22. It says this, As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture? Or to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you've trodden with your feet and drink what you've muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you've scattered them abroad. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey and I will judge between sheep and sheep. Not only do the the shepherds need to be judged, but God says some of the sheep have taken on the character traits and must be judged as well. They too are seeking to do harm to the weak and the weary. They too are overcome with selfishness, and so they just smugly hurt others. Right? They not only eat the good food, but they destroy it for everybody else. They not only drink the good water, but they destroy it for everyone else. I mean, we find these people in our churches today, right? They are the grace hogs. They take all the grace of God for themselves, but they can find none for anybody else in their failings. They expect everybody else to practice patience and forgiveness with them, but they never return the favor. We might even think of them as the people who refuse to share the gospel or to live lives of mission. They get fat on the word of God each Sunday, but they have no desire to share that good news with others. They make sure all of their activities that they participate in are going to feed them. It's about feeding me spiritually. I have no concern over whether anybody else is being fed, over whether this activity that I'm being asked to be a part of has anything to offer to anybody else. It's about me getting fat on the word. We see them muddy the gospel up with their list of additional rules about how somebody needs to dress or talk or look before they get to come in and receive the gospel. And in so doing, they push and they shoulder, and they get their horns into play, and they scatter the weak. And God says, I am going to judge you. If you think that you're growing spiritually, but you have no interest in living missionally, I'm sorry to tell you, you're not growing. And in fact, you may well be muddying up the gospel so that others wouldn't even want it. God says, I will separate my sheep so that the weak are no longer bullied by the strong. And you may have experienced church hurt from a bad shepherd, but you may have experienced it from bad sheep. Either way, know this, God loves you. God sees you and he loves you. Don't, don't let, don't let the bad actions of other sheep keep you from following the good shepherd. 
God is seeking after you and he will hold to account all who distort his gospel. And so in a world that is full of bad shepherds and bad sheep, follow the good shepherd. Because the good shepherd isn't just seeking and saving and supplying and sheltering his sheep, but he will secure his sheep forever. Our, our hope in Christ is not for this life only. Now, we have been promised in Jesus an eternal hope. We see it talked about here at the end of our passage. Look again, verse 25. I will make with them a covenant of peace and banish the wild beasts from the land. So they will dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. I'll send down showers in their season. There'll be showers of blessing. And, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit and the earth shall yield its increase. They shall be secure in their land and they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hands of those who have enslaved them. They shall no more be prey to the nations, nor shall the wild beast of the land devour them. They shall dwell securely and none shall make them afraid. And I will provide for them renowned plantations so that they shall no more be consumed with hunger in the land and no longer suffer the reproach of the nations. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God with them and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Lord God. And you are my sheep, my human sheep of my pasture. And I am your God, declares the Lord God. The final promise of God is the eternal security of his sheep. No more beast, no more hunger, no more fear, no more slavery, no more suffering, just eternal blessings in the presence of Jesus, our good shepherd. So if you've been hurt by the church, run to Jesus. He loves you. He's just as angry as you are about the way churches and pastors use their power to hurt his people, and he will hold them to account. And, and more than that, he will save his sheep. He has eternal goodness for you. Don't let the foolish sins of Christians be the thing that keeps you from Christ. In a world full of bad shepherds, follow the good one. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. And we thank you that you promise that you see it all and you will hold to account all who have wronged us, all who have wronged anyone. Lord, you are just and righteous to do so. And so we pray, Lord, that we would not we would not let the actions of one another get in the way of us following after you. We thank you for your incredible love, seeking after us, supplying for us, sheltering us, and securing us forever. It's in your name we pray. Amen.